Well, open your Bibles. We are going line by line through the Lord's Prayer. Our practice for this fall uh, is prayer. Our uh, home group emphasis has been on prayer. And today we will be in the Lord's Prayer. And I'd like to read a little bit of the context. I'm, be I'm going to begin in Matthew 6, uh, verse 7, and then read through the prayer. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. That's the line we'll work on today. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's a lot. And... I have that one phrase for today. Give us this day our daily bread. It is Baby Dedication Sunday, and I don't know if you've noticed this or not. I'm sure if you're a parent of one of these ba babies, you've noticed it. Uh, they are needy. They are very needy. They're also dependent. And this one section of the Lord's Prayer really hits hard on that. Babies are needy and babies are dependent. As a matter of fact, I would be willing to bet among these seven babies we'll have up here this morning that one of them will not be happy to be here. And the great thing about babies is they're terrific communicators. Uh, when they have a need, you know they have a need. You may have to figure out what that need is, but you know they have a need. They cry out. They cry out. They let you know, Mom, Dad, I have a need. And what's so cool about that? Something we could learn from? We have needs. You have needs. I have needs. We stuff our needs because of our image. It got really quiet. Because I think we really do that, and we know that we do that, but we don't know who it's safe to be honest with, to be vulnerable with. We don't want our needs to be weaponized against us, and so we tend to stuff them sometimes way deep down inside. These babies are excellent examples. They have no pride. They slobber over everything. Some of them even prefer poopy diapers. Uh, they let you know they don't want to be changed. They're shameless. 
They're shameless in expressing their need. And they are excellent examples of this line of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Babies aren't planning for tomorrow. They are not planning for tomorrow. They are planning for you to be there tomorrow to meet their each and every need. Now, there's two problems that this prayer would really solve for you and for me. I'm going to call these my crust problem and my trust problem. My crust problem and my trust problem. My crust problem is this, the bread that I crave. The bread that I crave. What I think is going to satisfy me. Um, you know, the truth of the matter is most of us want cookies, cake, pies, and ice cream. Man, I, I literally, I'm going to confess, I literally twice this week had ice cream for dinner. It does, that's not normative, but that's what happened. Was that good for me? Uh, no. It tasted good, not good for me. It filled my stomach temporarily, but that probably shouldn't be a habit. Give us this day our daily bread. What is the bread that you crave? What is the bread that you crave? What are you hungry for? What is, what is the thing, the person, the position that you are hungry for, that I am hungry for? Is what I think I need what I really need? Is what I think I need what I really need? This is an issue as old as time. In the garden, in the garden, Satan says, if you'll follow my counsel, you will be like God. You will be like God. And suddenly he stirred up a dissatisfaction and a question about whether or not God's reign is good, whether God himself is good. And he says, hey, 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 I got a deal for you, little guy. Hey, little lady, you ought to hear that you're missing out on this. If you do this, you will be like God. You'll be like God. Um, Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 both talk about the fall of Lucifer. And in Isaiah 14, 14, God is recounting what went through Lucifer's heart and mind and soul. And he summarizes it like this. I will make myself like the Most High. I will make myself like the Most High. 
Anybody a control freak in here? Oh, we got a few honest people. Thank you so much. We have a whole bunch of dishonest people. We like to be in control. We would love to be in control. I'm telling you, I wish I was in control. And my many decades on the earth have convinced me that I'm not. I'm simply not in control. Now, we're in Matthew 6 today. And if you just stay in Matthew 6, uh, I'm going to hit a couple of passages on either side of Matthew uh, 6, 11. In Matthew 4, Jesus is coming out. He's been baptized. By the way, some of you were baptized, and this struck me. Uh, right after Jesus was baptized, Satan showed up. And he began to hit Jesus at the core. And he began in Matthew 4, verses 3 and 4. And the tempter came, to, came and said to Jesus, If you are, by the way, um, that really should read, Since you are the Son of God. God the Father had announced at Jesus' baptism, This is my Son. So Satan's rolling with that. He's trying to find some common ground. And he says, since you are the Son of God, and by the way, you've been fasting for 40 days, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. What is bread? Yes, in this particular passage, it's bread. It's bread. It's that nice, warm, crusty stuff that you dip in butter or slather in honey. Or if you're, if you're like some people I know, you put jelly on there, jam on there. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. And Jesus had been fasting. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. How many of us have had a job that we thought would satisfy us, only to get there and realize, what have I gotten myself into? How many of us have awakened two years into marriage and said, who is this person? And why am I here? Hard truth. It happens. If you're single, be careful. Guard your heart. Just having somebody that's got a ring on their finger really may not be your daily bread. It really may not be satisfying. And Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And uh, Satan is persistent. Anybody had that experience? <laughs> Satan is, I mean, he is persistent. He is enduring. He is consistent. In Matthew 4, still in the temptation, in verses 8 and 9, the devil pulls out all the stops. He goes from bread to the high mountain. 
The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now, did Jesus deserve all the kingdoms of the world and the glory that is incumbent on ruling all the kingdoms of the world? Yes. And one day he will. It just wasn't time for that. He had other things to accomplish. But Satan offers him all of this. And Jesus says, Go away. Go away. Satan had tempted him greatly. He said, All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus says, Be gone. Be gone. Go away. Take this away today. Satan continues to offer things he cannot deliver. Let me say that again. Satan continues to offer things he cannot deliver. He did it in the garden with Adam and Eve. And we're paying that price today, thousands of years later. They lost their continuous communion with God. And their family began to have some pretty serious issues. I mean, when one brother murders another one, that's pretty serious. Adam and Eve's own relationship was broken. That was a part of what happened as a consequence of what Satan promised. You can have it all. You deserve this. We have ad campaigns built around those two ideas. You can have it all. You should talk back to the television. <laughs> Say, I don't think so. You deserve this. Oh, I deserve this. How many people have gotten into morbid amounts of debt? Because somewhere down deep, we've convinced ourselves, oh, yeah, I deserve that. And by the way, that mindset crushes gratitude. It crushes gratitude. It crushes thanksgiving completely. Now, I, I don't recommend you go to Mick Jagger for counsel, okay? But back in the 60s when they were young, and they are not, they're amazing. I don't know how they still do it. But he... And Keith Richards wrote that famous song, I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. And if you, re if you go look at the lyrics of that, in the verses, Mick Jagger goes from sex to suits to cigarettes. And he says, none of that gives me satisfaction. A tremendous confession. I hope one day he fully embraces 
that. Because still trying to fill that hole in his soul. Another confession also made by Mick Jagger, you can't always get what you want. You just can't. In a broken world, frankly, you and I are never going to get all that we want. I wanted the Rangers to win last night. You know? But you can't always get what you want. <laughs> now we're rolling towards Matthew 6, 11. And we have a context. Right before Matthew 6, 11 is Matthew 6, 10. Where Jesus teaches us to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this is our GPS for praying for our daily bread. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And my daily bread is somehow connected to that prayer, that direction, that destination. Now, God knows you need daily bread. As a matter of fact, if you, um, if you uh, back up to Matthew um, 4, it talks about when Jesus started uh, his ministry. And in verse 23, it says, And uh, he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Now, Jesus cares about those things. Not only did he feed 5,000 at one time, 5,000 men, not counting the women and children that were fed, but he also fed 4,000. He cared. His heart was moved when he was faced with hungry people. When he was passing through the little village of Nain, a, a woman is coming out with her son in a funeral pr procession. She was a widow. In that culture, in that time, a widow was totally dependent on her sons. And her only son had passed away. Not only had she lost her husband, now she had lost her son. And Jesus sees her sorrow and he says, don't cry. And he raises that son who's in a funeral procession. Jesus cares about those things. I don't want you to hear anything different this morning. I just want you to hear more. I want you to hear more. He cares about more. He cares about that. And he cares about more. Uh, we lost a dear friend um, last November to cancer. And he fought that battle for many, many, many years. Fourteen. Fairly early on in that journey, he said, I thank God for cancer. Because cancer drove him into a relationship with God that he knew he would have never had 
if he hadn't had to depend on God and trust in God and become intimate with God. God was not a Sunday thing for David. I love going out to dinner with him because you couldn't even get seated before he started telling the hostess about what God had done for him. God leveraged the brokenness of this world to bring glory to his name and to give David a purpose that he would have never had without that awful, awful cancer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if that means that my daily bread is something that's not so tasty, maybe you're using that for something far, far greater. Look at the cross, if you will. That's how Jesus rolls. Sometimes the most awful things are the greatest things. Uh, in the Beatitudes that began this great sermon in Matthew 5, uh, verse 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. He doesn't put a period there. He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That's where Mick's going to find his satisfaction. That's where I'm going to find my satisfaction. That's where you're going to find your satisfaction. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Righteousness. Okay, true confession. I'm not right. Claire knows. Graham knows. Brenda knows. Can I get a witness? I'm, I'm not right. I, I'm not. I'm not right. Because when I go to prayer, I, I kind of... I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but I, I kind of... Drift towards Santa baby prayers. You know, that's going to be played, and I choose, that, I choose that very specifically because it communicates the point, but it's going to come up soon, and I want you to remember. And maybe every time you hear Santa baby, you just turn your heart to God and say, Give me this day my daily bread. Santa baby, I want a yacht. And really, that's not a lot. I've been an angel all year. Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Go pull that up on your Spotify playlist or something. Just on the way home as, as a means of redirecting your heart. Be careful of those Santa baby prayers that we're all prone to. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Um, by the way, notice that's not a gimme prayer. Jesus doesn't teach us to pray, give me this day my daily bread. Suddenly that becomes a gimme prayer. This is a communal prayer. Give us Give us 
this day, our daily bread. There's something communal about the way Jesus teaches us to pray here. He probably knew about Santa Baby before Eartha Kitt did. And he knew the heart of man. And so instead of a singular here, he puts a plural. Give us our daily bread. That redirects my prayers to other places because I'm real self-centered. That's what sinners are. Self-centered. This redirects my prayers outward to others. Now that's our crust problem. We want the wrong kind of bread. We want the bread that doesn't last. How many of you are going to eat today? <laughs> A lot of fasting going on. Um, <laughs> I'm going to eat today because what I ate yesterday doesn't fill me up today. I need daily bread and my soul needs daily bread. Sunday morning is not enough. It's just not. I've been doing Sunday mornings for a long, long time. Longer than a lot of you have been breathing. And it's not enough. It's not enough. Now the second part of what I want us to see in this brief little statement, give us this day our daily bread. I was, uh, this became really a seminal part of putting my message together. I got a, a I get a daily email from Dr. Henry Cloud, um, not to just me personally, but to thousands of people who follow him. But I get a daily email from him, and this popped up Thursday morning. The subject line, who do you trust? Wow. That's an all-time question. Who do you trust? You see, I have a crust problem, but I also have, deeper than that, I have at the root of my soul a trust problem. And from the beginning, from the garden, from Adam and Eve, this trust problem just began to blow up. Just began to blow up. Satan questioned whether or not they could trust God. It's a game plan that has worked magnificently for millennia. Satan and his minions asking that question, who can give me what I really need? Who do you trust? My trust problem. And Jesus roots this prayer. He roots this prayer, beginning in verse 9, with those two great words, our Father, our Father. As a matter of fact, we read verses 6 through 8. This is what we get. 
uh, verses 6 through 8, chapter 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So pray then like this, our Father... Our Father. We have a relationship in Christ. No matter what kind of earthly father you had, you have a heavenly Father that is it. He is the it Father. He loves you more than you can begin to comprehend. He wants you more than anybody on earth. He is your father. And by the way, here, the your is singular. He's saying, Brenda, he is your father. The rest of you are out of luck. (laughs) Glenn, he's your father. Holden, he's your father. Rachel, he's your father. He is your father. He's your father. Verse 8 says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. If you fast forward in chapter 6, Jesus says in verses 31 and 32, so don't worry. Does anybody here worry? Again, just you know, there are some real saints in here today. So don't worry saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for the Gentiles eagerly seek these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. God knows what you need. As a matter of fact, if you just prayed, give me this day our daily bread, he would say, got it. I've got the list. I've got the list. You don't need to babble on. I got the list. Now, if God already knows what we need, why do we ask? Why do we ask? Um, Back in the 80s, early 80s, uh, I was driving an El Camino. An El Camino that had been road hard and put away wet. It, it had a ton of miles on it, and it was just starting to fall apart. And I had a roommate one day when the umpteenth breakage came down. He said, why don't you call your dad? Why don't you call your dad? Now, for those of you who haven't been here before, I've confessed that when I was in high school, my dad bought me not one, but two new cars. Why didn't I call my dad? He had a track record. It hadn't even occurred to me. So I called my dad. He didn't get me a new car this time. He got me a tank. He got me a 78 Chevrolet Caprice Classic which on old 75 in Dallas got rear-ended not once, not twice, but three times. There was a small black mark of paint, very small black mark of paint you wouldn't have noticed on the back bumper because that car destroyed a Nissan (laughs) that was not paying attention. 
It was a tank. I got pulled over driving it back from Mississippi when I got it. I got pulled over because I was doing 80-something somewhere in Arkansas. And the cop pulled me over, and I didn't know I was doing 80-something until his lights came on and I looked down because it just floated over the road. It was American heavy metal. It was tank before there was tank. Why didn't I call my dad earlier? Every father wants to hear from his children. Every good father wants to hear from his children, and I can tell you, wants to meet that need. Why don't you call your dad with that burden that you're carrying? Why don't you call your dad? Why don't you just lift your heart heavenward? Why don't you, even if you had the worst of earthly fathers, push that off the table? Because if you are a follower of Christ, you have the ultimate perfect father. Why don't you call your daddy? Um, this passage, this give us this day our daily bread, uh, Jesus really expands on it as uh, he gets later in chapter 6 in that whole exposition of do not be anxious. Uh, that starts in verse 25. Jesus knows we are an anxiety-ridden people. And he gives us, from verses 25 to 34, an exposition on really an apologetic for why we don't need to worry. Why we don't need to be anxious. In verses uh, 31 and 32, Jesus says, So don't worry, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what that you need them. He knows that you need them. In verse 26, if you back up to there, it's even better than that. Jesus begins by saying, Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. They don't, they don't do any of that. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Okay, big question. Aren't you worth more than they? Aren't you worth more than they? Truth of the matter, a lot of us may not feel that. Worthiness has been shattered by shame, by failure, by the things we don't want to share because they're too embarrassing. Listen, your father knows all about that. And I believe he is asking, I know he is asking, because Jesus asked it. He was here to deliver his father's message. Aren't you worth more than they? Aren't you? Later in Matthew 7, Jesus teaches about prayer, tells us to ask, seek, and knock. And when he 
concludes that little section, he says this, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Ask God for the best thing for your life. Ask Him for the best thing. The thing that will fill you with purpose will satisfy your need for meaning. God is a giving God. Your Father is a giving, generous God. For God so loved the world that He gave the best He had to give His only Son so that Whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. I'm closer to eternal life than a lot of you. It becomes more and more precious as you go. To know that there's something magnificent waiting. Remember what Jesus said to that criminal? Today you will be with me in paradise. Your pain will be replaced by paradise. Whatever paradise is, sounds good to me. God wants you to have it all, frankly. He wants you to have it all. Go read Ephesians 1 this week. He wants you to have it all. Go read Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 7. He wants you to have it all and then some. Your stocking is going to overflow. It's going to vomit. It really is. Listen, Jesus fed the hungry. Jesus healed the sick. He's, he's communicating to us in those things the heart of God. Jesus forgave the sinner. He defended the weak. He accepted the outcast. He comforted the sorrowful. He redeemed the lost and he raised the dead. Now, that's some daily bread right there. That is some daily bread right now. Jesus put it like this in John 6. I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. There's three things I want to ask you to do. One, come to Jesus. If you haven't, come to Him. You don't have to pass the theology test. Just come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus. That, that criminal on the cross, he would have flunked out. But he saw Jesus. Come to Jesus. For some of us, it might be come back to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. Secondly, believe in Jesus. That's a trust thing. Reorder the trust in your life. Who can you trust? Who can you trust? There's this guy that, that beat death. He beat death. I'm thinking he's got it going on. And he did it for you and for me so that we might have life. Listen, he can be trusted with your daily bread because he did the greater thing. He redeemed you. 
He made it possible for you to receive the inheritance as children of God. Because he's done the greater thing, he can surely do the lesser thing. And finally, feed on Jesus. Make Jesus your daily bread. Make Jesus your daily bread. When Holden was uh, reading this morning uh, in that responsive part of the service, he read from Psalm 107. And it says there, Let them, I'm going to substitute us, Let us thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man, for He satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul he fills with good things. Do you believe this? Will you receive this? Let's pray. Oh, Father, our Father, turn us away from the lies being spread by Satan, who is the father of lies who offers only stale, moldy crumbs. Turn our longing, hungry hearts towards you, our generous and loving, compassionate Father. And give us Jesus, the satisfying bread of life, that we may no longer hunger or thirst. That the things of this life would grow strangely dim. And the light of His glory and grace. Lord, today we're having a baby dedication. What a beautiful example of need. Remind us of our need, of our helplessness. Remind us we can trust our Father who gave us the Son. Lord, I need you. Amen.